0: Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about my quilting journey and life in a northern town. Show notes can be found at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com. Please leave a comment and we can continue the conversation online. My name is Vicki and I'll be your hostess. Welcome to the podcast. Well, on Instagram, it's been IG quilt Fest, and for the entire month, I've been posting everyday prompts that Amy's Creative Side has put up, and they're very interesting things about quilting. I've done a few videos. Uh, yesterday's prompt was inspiration, and I shared about the quilt that I made based on inspiration from a photograph I took at the oceanfront. And then I made a high-rise hotel, very long, skinny, rectangular blocks out of gray fabric. And then I used brightly colored fabrics for towels that were hanging off the balconies on this high-rise hotel. So that was my inspiration prompt. Another prompt I did that I think was pretty um, popular was labels. And how I have some labels, but I haven't put them on any quilts. So I remedied that. I have put two or three labels on quilts myself and I have a friend of mine who's helping me bind some of my quilts and she put labels on those quilts that I had on hand. I've since learned a little bit about labels. I've decided that I don't want them to be real long, mushy stories on the label. I think that's what my blog is about. I want them to be basic, quilted by Vicki Holloway. If I get fancy I might write the year and if I have to put them um, more information on the label because they're in a show or something I'll do that. Like one show wanted uh, name of the quilt and where you're from and the year. But I decided I just I don't like lots of words on quilts and I don't want the labels to be too difficult because then I won't do them. Um, I've looked my friend who's binding um, those quilts for me she brought over a whole ziploc bag full of labels that you write on so I think I'm going to take a fine tip sharpie and write on some and I have five or six more quilts in the living room that could use a label and I just thought I don't want something to happen and have all these quilts be unlabeled and be made by the anonymous quilter um, because I don't know it's just one of those things that must happen when you turn 50. You start thinking about things like that. So I've been doing some labels and it was prompted by the IG Quilt Fest. So all of my responses to the IG Quilt Fest are on my blog. And my blog is my creative corner three, and there's lots of information on that blog. At the top, there is pages that talk about the daily prompt challenge, which is a Facebook group, and the new month challenge will be going up this weekend. Um, I have a tab about my long arm quilting, signing up for the newsletter, all the show um, podcast links, some tutorials that I've written, and even information if people want to hire me for a lecture or a workshop. My Instagram feed is down on the sidebar as well as my Twitter feed and you can see some of the silly things that I put up. There's also recent posts and some archived posts on there. Well, all of this uh, IG Quilt Fest and the Creative Prompt Challenge have prompted me to dig out my Zentangle stuff and I've done a few more drawings with Zentangle. I like using Zentangle as a way to problem solve some ideas and traveling for free motion quilting. I try not to lift my pen too much. The other thing is that it's something different and gives me ideas on shapes that I can use for quilting. And I did a couple of paisleys and um, pokeberries and some tangles that are really quite fun and they're a great way to to do something productive while you're waiting. Um, sometimes I wait at the gym or wait in the waiting room of a doctor, and it's always a fun thing to do, and you don't get too many looks from people while you're doing them. So since I last podcasted, I decided that I don't have a whole lot of piecing projects that I need to work on. And I've been trying to prioritize how I want to run my quilting time and the business of long arming and balance. So unfortunately, I felt like something had to change. So I did give notice for the block testing for Quiltmaker 100 magazine so I could spend more time finishing things and working on some ideas and patterns and things that I want to make into sample quilts. But while I was going through all of that, I started rummaging through the piles of stuff that I have that are unfinished. And truly, there are just a lot of orphan blocks in there. But I did find an unfinished project that came from a block swap last year. And it's kind of a sad story because I never have luck in swaps. Have you guys? I mean, I sign up for them and then people get all excited and they talk to me and we get the emails and we go back and forth on what colors people like. And then they don't send me the block. And then I talk to the administrator and it's a big fall to roll. I mean, A lot of times I understand things happen in people's life. People get sick, people's jobs, but a lot of these people just didn't send a block. So I participated for about five or six months. I did get several blocks, I think about six. I made several in the same um, teals and grays with a little purple in it. Because I had a bad feeling when the first person didn't send that this was not going to go well. <laughs> and um, I put the blocks together in a 3x3 three three setting. And I sashed it with a bright teal border with a little bit of gray in the corners. And I have plans for that, which I'll talk about later. But... You know, that, that's something. Block swaps, I just love doing them. I love doing them in person. I love talking to people and finding out what they like and swapping. Um, but oh, about every other time, it'll be a real good one. And then it'll be a disaster. And I just am tired of wasting time and money. I mean, I'm not sad that the blocks I made went out to people. And hopefully they'll be used in quilts. But it's a lot of effort and time to try to hit deadlines and I worked really hard at trying to not be late and be on time and and not everybody else has the same Same. the same thought about that for block swaps now way back in the days of Flickr and other I mean other groups and we're talking blog rings and all that I did a few swaps you know with crocheting blocks and I did uh, several actually, where you crocheted or knitted a block and you mailed them to the people in your circle and and those were pretty successful. But after the same thing, after about the second swap, that started to get weird and then people were not following the rules and they were not exchanging. And then you know when mm-hmm. you start adding the fact that you'll be um, shipping, maybe overseas it got to a point where i could not participate because the shipping was so ridiculously high and um and that's another part with the block swap as much as i would totally love to do it international block swap um, the price of trying to ship things is really just not in my budget and the creme de la creme of all of my ufos Remember a couple months ago I said by the end of February I would have my Block of the Month Constellation of Stars quilt finished. Well, by the end of the month I did pull out the um, fabrics and I looked at what was left, which was the Mariner's Compass block. Now I and my mother purchased these in a 10 month kit. $25 a piece so I know there were $250 invested in this kit and you got four blocks every month one a week I really did a pretty good job in keeping up with it until about halfway through the fabric wasn't cut properly we were short on fabric I went back to the store while it was still open got extra pieces of fabric that the shop owner knew was short and I just couldn't get some of these blocks to go together the pieces were cut really tight and in my brain i couldn't figure out how to flip the paper over the piece because you know when you're paper piecing these were all paper pieced blocks it's backwards to what you see and i hard have a hard time visualizing that sometimes and So I love paper piecing when you can cut the big chunks yourself and the fabrics are way oversized and trim them down. But this was pre-cut, so it was basically just sit and sew, which is great when it works. But there are a couple of blocks that just wouldn't go together and I could not get the Mariner's Compass together. Now I've had this kit since 2012. And I did mine. Mariner's Compass frustrated me. Um, probably 2013 I went to the store she showed me how to do one I put a segment together and put it away my mom moved and then dropped all of hers off because she decided paper piecing was not for her and I decided last year that I wasn't gonna meld these two kits together it would make a quilt that's too super huge so I put all of Mom's pieces together in blocks together, except for the Mariner's Compass, shipped them off to her, and then last month I decided, you know what, there has got to be a way, a way to make this work because she showed me how to do it. She's since out of business, and the poor woman who cut all these pieces was very ill, and there's just no way to make any complaints about this. This is just the risk of making quilts from kits I sat down and I'm like why was this so hard the pieces fit just fine if I put them the right way and it all went together I needed maybe I needed five or six years for the whole project to marinate my brain and how to do it and to actually work on getting better skills for paper piecing and all that block testing I did has made my piecing skills improve the blocks went together and i applique them on the background which is totally unheard of for me i stink it up at applique but i've been forced to do it with block testing and it looks pretty good there's a little bit of a bubble in one of them and i decided you know what done is better than perfect So then I spent several days ripping out all of the paper, which turns into confetti on the floor, which is why uh, part of the reason why this project languished. And I put it together. The pieced borders on the outside are hard um, because the blocks come together with sashing that make an interlocking hexagonal chain look. And as I got the border going, it was all pre-cut. Things were going right until I get to the bottom border. And I'm missing two pieces. Mm -hmm. There was extra of a dark color and not enough of a light color. So I went with a dark color and mixed up the light colors as much as I can. And probably no one else will notice it. You can look in the show notes. I'll have a picture to see if you can pick up the problem at the bottom border. But I'm Pretty proud of this. It's a beautiful quilt. It's all done in batiks, creams, chocolatey browns, dark browns, all different neutral colors. But it's not a low volume quilt. Um, there's pretty high contrast. And Constellation of Stars is the name of the pattern in the book. Um, I'll have a picture of that book online. But I believe that the book is out of print and. Because people have asked me over the years, it is one of the hardest quilts I've ever made in my life. And it came together. It's roughly the right size. The blocks look great. The sashing turned out okay. And now I got to sit and think, how am I going to quilt this? Mm, The next wonderful problem. How to quilt something that you finished after it's languished in a box for five or six years. Gave mom her blocks, and I'm going to let her put hers together. And I told her that there is a problem in my kit with the number of squares in the bottom row, but hopefully she'll be able to put them together. So that leads us to, you know, what is going on in the next month. Well, I already told you the Creative Prompt Challenge is going to continue and that will be posted on Facebook as well as my blog. But then in May, I have an opportunity to participate in something that I've never done before, a blog hop. Yeah, blog hop. Since Krista Watson and Angela Walters came out with a book called The Ultimate Guide to Machine Quilting, Several of my online friends went to QuiltCon and they were signing their book. And an idea was hatched that we would four of us blog weekly, or maybe every other week. Haven't quite got there. There are 10 chapters in the book, and we are going to do a blog post with videos. I'm going to try to do some tutorials and pictures on the theme of the book. Now the book is a great one and I'm bringing it up now because it'll give you a month to buy the book and if you really want to make a cool quilt there's several great patterns by Krista Watson and Angela Walters but there's also a really big toolbox of great tips and ideas on how to quilt a quilt. Which is sometimes a problem see that last one I did now I got to sit and think about how am I going to quilt all of those stars so maybe by the time I'm done with this blog hop I'll have some better ideas so we're starting in May I've done a little button on my blog which took me a little bit of research to figure out how to add a button and hopefully by the time um, May rolls around I'll have a clickable, meaning you can click at it and go to the directory of Jen's blog, Holly Ann's blog, Kristen's blog, and mine. And I'm thinking about putting linky parties on mine so people can link to it and then um, show pictures of the work that they're doing. The whole process of this is to look at where we're starting and what skills we've achieved by the end of the book. I know um, Krista and Angela know that we're doing this and they've been very, very encouraging. And I hope that we get some tips from them as we go along. Holly Ann is doing um, Friday Friends and she's going to interview both Angela and Krista. And it's just going to be a great time. So I want you all to be part of the blog hop, and we will have that all unrolling by the end of April with the first kickoff post in May. So a blog hop, something I've never done after 10 years of blogging. I've participated and watched other people, but I've never had my blog as part of that. And all of that to say, you know, community is so, so much a part of quilting. The more I quilt, the more community I find. It used to start out as a solo hobby that I would use as a way to get away and create, but it's just opened up a whole world of people. And Holly Ann and I um, have been talking and Holly Ann started a idea, really, that's mushrooming into a nonprofit. We're waiting for the status yet, but Quilts for Cure. February was a month where Operation Smiley was done and a block drive was done. And we had a big group sponsor to it. And I say we, because I'm part of this nonprofit to be this fledgling idea that's growing and all of these blocks came together, they were mailed to Quilts for Cure. Holly's been putting the Holly Ann has been putting them together. She has some volunteers that are helping with the quilting part. We've got names of some children who have been ill and we're working real hard at getting quilts to them. We are going to probably have ten quilts made just for the February drive. And Quilts for Cure has their own website as well as IG account. And if you are really um, a person who has a big heart and would like to be part of uh, this operation of getting quilts to children who are fighting pediatric cancers, um, go to the website. There's ways to make blocks. There's ways to make a quilt. And we're working on... All kinds of future projects and quilt alongs and the network of getting quilts from quilters to hospitals to people is really coming together. So I wanted to share that because I think it's a really important thing to let children know who are going through treatments that there are lots of people who love them and want them to have a warm quilt that will provide them comfort as a snuggly as a hug chemotherapy is rough it's very rough and anything we can do to help make that better I would like to be part of so anyway quilts for cure and if that is something that you're interested in I will have more information on the show notes and a thought I had today about being a creative person and why we should try to do lots of different things to be creative because I get asked often why do you do other things besides quilt or knit or crochet or zentangle Um my answer is if I did any one thing all the time I would be uninspired and get bored I mean you can follow patterns and look at the eye candy out on social media all the time but quite honestly you get desensitized to the beauty that you're seeing if that's all you're doing is scrolling through things and it's on a small scale so you don't get to see the detail so I think there's just something about doing all of these items yourself and then doing things where you see the work of other people because you do get inspired and that leads me to being curious and wanting to try new things like taking pictures. I don't want to be a photographer nor do I have a desire to have a very advanced camera but the curiosity of it has led me to taking pictures with my cell phone and I have a GoPro um, which has led me to wanting to edit better and because I did that I Found some prompt challenges for taking photos, which led me to being more creative, looking at things through a different viewpoint and trying to come up with creative ideas, funny ideas, off the beaten path ideas for doing the daily prompt. Also, I find that when I work in different media, it really does inspire me as I go back to... The things that I really, really enjoy doing, such as quilting and music. Those types of things all come together in my brain as I think on new projects and do new things. So that's why I highly encourage you, if you feel like you're in a creative slump, try something new. But you don't have to just be a in the box label as a quilter and that's all you do, or a knitter, or whatever. We as people tend to want to categorize people, and we forget that sometimes we're way more complicated than that, especially when it comes to our creativity. I want to give you an opportunity to give to a young lady who's in college, and she is trying to find 50 partners to help her get on a missions trip to Scotland this summer. She's been working and saving for the past two years, and she is getting close to her goal. I will add a link to the show notes so you can read all about the missions trip, and there will be the website if you feel moved to help this young lady mentor some high school girls on a month-long trip to Scotland as they teach, travel, learn culture, and share about their deep, deep belief. So I appreciate you taking the time to read about the trip and to consider the possibility of joining a young lady, reach her dreams, and going on this mission trip. So as we wrap up this podcast, I just want to say thank you for listening. I would like to thank all of the kind words on show notes as well as on my blog over the last couple of posts of podcasts. And it's just been really great to see how many people have joined the Facebook group and have been commenting about what's happening on the blog. So I want to say thank you. I also really want to encourage people to sign up for the newsletter. So the structure for... My current plan is that one week will be the newsletter, which will go out to everyone on the email list. And I promise I will not spam you with lots and lots of information um, that's every day. I mean, it's just a little bit of personal note on what's been going on and where things are going to go and maybe announce about the blog hop and all these different events. And then the weeks that the newsletter doesn't come out is going to be my podcast post and then about three days a week I post on the blog kind of a recap of maybe what's going on or a special um, post about what has been happening or what I've been thinking about Um, pictures of quilts that I have long-armed and I've got two or three of those on um, over since I podcasted last so that'll be the structure and ways that you can keep up I also have an Instagram account, so that's a lot of fun too. So overall, there's lots of ways you can keep in touch on what's happening, because I really, really feel like I'm going to be making some moves with what I'm going to be doing in the next six months or so. I really am hoping to have some tangible goals and plans Right now, I just want to know that I want to do something more with teaching and more with sharing with people and helping quilters become better at piecing or quilting, but also teach new classes. So I'm going to go back to the quilt shop and see if we can get a class going. I've tried two or three times and have not had anyone sign up for them, but That doesn't mean that the summer's coming. And summer around here is when things really get going. We're at the in-between season now where it's half winter, half summer. It snows at night, warms up and melts during the day. Foggy mornings, gray mornings, but spring is coming because most of the snow is melting. I see my fairy gardens exposed. I've checked some books out of the library about fairy gardens and gardens lots of outdoor plans are really needed i've got a lot of cleaning up to do with my old border beds around the house but the fairy gardens are pretty low maintenance and just so romantic this book i checked out of the library is for children but it is just a delightful little book it is called fairy garden handbook by liza gardner walsh and I want to end the podcast by reading the first little intro to her chapter. I think this is just so adorable because it really um, hits to the childlike part of my heart, which is also where the creativity lives. And I am just really one of these people that think... There's a little bit of magic everywhere in the world. So for you gardeners and people who believe in fairies, the garden fairies come at dawn. They bless the flowers, and then they're gone. So that's why people fairy garden, because the fairies come out, and they each tend to flower. I hope I get more than one fairy per flower, because sometimes... My garden needs a little help with our short growing season here. Well, you have a wonderful day. I appreciate all of those who have made comments and signed up for the newsletter. I encourage you to continue to um, be kind to one another and to quilt, to create, and to enjoy every day.